Thank you for tuning in. I'm Daniel Lee, and you're listening to Now Is Then, where we discuss the ways in which ancient Egypt has shaped many aspects of our history and culture, as well as the world we live in today. In this episode, we examine how the pyramid was not only a symbol of the afterlife and royalty, but actually a highly complex structure that has affected aspects of politics, economy, astronomy, and architecture throughout history. Pyramids. It's probably safe to say they're the archaeological symbol of Egypt. In fact, pyramids have become so representative of Egypt that millions of people still visit the Giza pyramids every year today. It's certainly quite odd to see the pyramids, which symbolized such political and religious power in the past, now being used as tourist attractions. Just how have pyramids, which originally served as monumentary tombs, become such symbols of commercialization? To understand the history of the pyramid and how its value as an icon has changed, we'll first have to talk about its origins. We start from the long, long past of Egypt. And we're talking way back, like before the first dynasty of the Old Kingdom even began. Back then, Egypt wasn't really an organized society, but people still lived in smaller social groups in separate settlements. These early societies carried on their first funerary services near quote-unquote natural pyramids, or basically mounds or hills that these people settled near to. The traditional notion of pyramids as linked to reaching the sun and thus divinity apparently started from this point, but we'll talk more about what this means later. The important thing to take away from this tradition, however, is that the geometric shape of a pyramid eventually became associated with exclusivity to the higher classes of society, as larger natural pyramids were often reserved to people of power, such as generals or officials. It's pretty similar to how we ascribe greater value to things at the top of the pyramid, which is the highest and most exclusive point. Think of whenever you draw a social or food pyramid. It's not that strange at all. Still, man-made pyramids would be constructed several centuries later. J. Donald Fernie's article, Marginalia, Astronomy, and the Great Pyramid, provides great insight into the history of the development of pyramidal design. In the article, Veruni states that the first pharaohs of the Old Kingdom weren't even buried in artificial pyramids, but instead in underground burial chambers called mastavas, which are called so because of the resemblance to brick benches in the villages of the same name. The transition from rectangular mud mastavas to the more stone-cut and limestone-built pyramids happened rather suddenly with the first recorded pyramid being the Steppe Pyramid at Saqqara, also known as the Pyramid of Djoser, the first king of the Third Dynasty, from the 27th century BCE. In comparison, the Great Pyramid of Giza was only built about a century later. Sadly, a lot of the pyramid building ended by the Sixth Dynasty of Egypt, though there was a small revival later when the Kingdom of Kush was in power. Now, what's fascinating about these early pyramids is that they weren't actually that simple in their design, but rather used very specific measurements in their construction, which involved components of astronomy. For instance, the descending passage in the Great Pyramid of Giza lines up with the celestial North Pole. Other theories certainly exist, such as that the 10 to 9 ratio of the pyramid and its height multiplied is close to the actual speed of light, or another case, that its base length divided by its height is close to the mathematical component pi. While these relations are indeed fascinating, it's important for us to be wary of how much of these relations were truly intended given the scientific limitations like the measurement of light at that time. The opposite is still true, but we'll talk more about that when we discuss European pyramidology, so stay tuned. 
While specific measurements of the pyramid leave some room for argument, pyramids certainly did contain components of architectural complexity. While the initial theories of pyramid construction involved the use of an external ramp in tandem with things like cranes or corks to design, modern archaeological evidence actually leads to the conclusion that the pyramids were built using internal ramps constructed within them. External ramps would still be used, but they would later be stripped to form the inner parts of the pyramid as the build progressed so that no resources would be wasted. Talk about cannibalism. Because of their complexity, pyramids are also often experienced architectural failures that cause distortions in the overall shape of the pyramids, as seen from Kurt Mendelssohn's instances of failures in pyramidal architectural designs from his 1971 article. Given their size, the majority of the pyramid not forming the inner walls of the exterior can contribute to pressurization, which can lead to the crumbling of the pyramid. The Maiden Pyramid was abandoned mid-construction for this reason, resulting in a step pyramid-like structure, while the Bent Pyramid was altered to form a more stable structure after an initial crumbling. In fact, this is exactly why the pyramid is called Bent. When ancient Egyptians rebuilt the pyramid, they made the upper part have a smaller slope, giving it an oddly curvy look. So why are the history and the design of the pyramids important? Well, it's important to take note that larger pyramids built during the Old Kingdom, such as the Great Pyramid of Giza, didn't just take their symbol of power from nothing. Though they differed in complexity, pyramids in Egypt incorporated architectural design as a way of amplifying the various ritual symbols ascribed to their early forms of burial mounds, such as the elements of the sun and the stars, or even the afterlife. In the next section, we'll discuss more on how these ritual elements are represented within pyramids and how they can form an image of mysticism. In ancient Egypt, religion is more than just one solid belief. Instead, it is more like a larger belief system that touched on many cult values from different cultures and attempted to group them together through the use of larger ideas represented by major deities. It's no wonder then that each deity had such radically opposing characteristics in each myth. Sometimes, deities could even represent completely opposite ideas. A great example of this is the deity Seth, who is at times regarded as the destroyer of the world, while at times its protector. One factor that played into unifying cult beliefs was actually through building pyramids. Linked with the representation of wealth and power, pyramids were ritual tombs constructed to commemorate the passing of a figure of authority. It makes sense then that the greatest pyramids be built by those of royalty. Within pyramids, ritual texts combine ideas from different cults as a form of establishing political stability. The strongest case for this can be seen from pyramid texts on divine conflict. Divine conflict was a recurring theme in ancient Egyptian texts, often representing the real conflicts that took place between nations or religious cults. This also meant that they would record stories of royal succession, a hot topic when it comes to conflict in Egypt, through divine representations. One of the most prominent divine conflicts is that between Horus and Seth, the two successors of Osiris following his death. In various written forms, such as the famous contendings of Horus and Seth, the conflict of royal authority that leads to justification of succession of power becomes the center of the narrative. That might make the story sound like a serious war epic, but it really wasn't. The contenders of Horus and Seth was actually more of a comedic twist on the famous conflict, 
and even involved vulgar actions such as taking Seth's testicles. If you want to hear more about the myths about Horace and Seth, you can check out Season 1, Episode 4, Falcon and Pharaohs, or more specifically about Seth in Season 2, Episode 1, Seth Apart. In particular, the physical components of each deity, as in Horace's eye and Seth's testicles, serve as symbols of the political struggle throughout their mutilation throughout the narrative. Hence, the eye of Horus, the victor of the struggle, becomes a symbol of royal strength and political power in Egypt. In other cases, the identification of Horus with Osiris, the neutral and observing entity, hints to the importance of the concept of order and unification within the narrative of the pyramid text. The trinity of Horus, Osiris, and Isis would also later be used in the Coptic tradition in its emulation of the Holy Trinity of the Bible, and similarly the three angles of the pyramid, as well as the th three pyramids of Giza, ascribing greater ritual relevance to the pyramid. If you want to learn more about Isis's representations in other cultures, or a cult of Isis, or Coptic depictions of Isis's motherhood of Horus, you can check out Season 2, Episode 4, The Purpose of Isis or Season 1, Episode 5, like a version of Madonna and Child, respectively. Of course, the pyramid also had its more well-known ritual significances and its importance as a passage to the afterlife. As we talked about before, pyramids have long been associated with the divinity and thus more astral concepts, such as the sun and the sky, which is why pyramids were built with such astronomical calculations in the first place. The linkage of the pyramidal shape, which points towards the sun, is also found in Mesoamerican pyramids. For instance, Aztec pyramids such as the Great Pyramid of Tenochtitlan were used as altars for human sacrifice to gods. Interestingly, early Mesoamerican pyramids also served as burial mounds similar to Egypt Egyptian natural pyramids. Here's a little sneak peek to an upcoming interview with Mate Tichindilian a first-year archaeology student at Kotzen Institute, where he explains why such parallels exist and when these civilizations exist in completely different time and space, and thus without contact. So pyramids. Now, I guess if we're talking about Mesoamerica um, and Egypt, uh, we first need to make sure that when I say these, these are two different types of quote-unquote pyramids. Um, Mesoamerica, uh, it's really mounds of earth that are built up, um, and then uh, they are usually the outer shell is, is sometimes of stone. Whereas uh, in Egypt, I guess it depends on what pyramid you're looking at, but let's say, for example, the Great Pyramid, those are, are the Great Pyramids of, of Giza. Those are all made out of um, limestone, blocks of limestone. Um, now there are they are also thousands of years apart the Giza pyramids the big pyramid of khufu uh, the biggest one the tallest one um that was completed uh, around 2500 bce uh whereas the pyramids in uh, let's say teochitlan um those were done about 800 a.d um if i remember correctly don't call me directly on that date but uh, in the 80s, so at least 2,000 years apart. Um, and, and I think when it comes to pyramids, which you do find different types of, of, of pyramids all over the world, um, there are, it's one of the easiest ways to stock up um, 
dirt, piles of dirt, uh, and form a tall structure um, and not have it collapse. That's the key to not having it collapse. Um, and um, humans found out everywhere, well, everywhere in a lot of places, um, that that is a, a structure that could support a lot of weight. Uh, and it can be built to a, a pretty significant height. Um, so I think that's where you find parallels. Uh, if you're talking about the structures of a pyramid, meaning the form of it. Egyptian rulers were often held as members of divinity that descended to rule Egypt. So their deaths were taken as a return to the celestial kingdom in ancient Egyptian religion, or in simpler terms, ascension to the heavens. Because of their importance to royal authority, pyramids often contain texts that describe the process of ascension for royal figures in greater detail. Generally, the pharaoh would go through the process of the purification of the soul, which occurs through prayers and spells, but eventually leads to the projection of essence, almost like an astral projection, except, you know, it's permanent. The ejected essence then goes through the general process of transmission and identification of the soul, and in the next step, the pharaoh's soul may be guided by other deities that recognize the pharaoh in the process. Lastly, the soul must pass through the celestial gate and the river behind it and be recognized by a tomb array, the first being, in order to be accepted into the heavens. Sounds like an awfully complex way to die. These texts might sound like disconnected tales that they represent different ideas, but they actually paint the same picture. Whether based on unification or ascension, their use of deities gives insight to the religious authority of the ruler of Egypt tied to their political authority. And because they were also a place to store such knowledge and stories were an exclusive group of priests and nobles, pyramids thus took on the image of a site of a religious practice central to Egyptian culture. The image of mysticism created by this religious association would later become the source for cultural representations in other societies. But before we get to that, let's quickly go over some of the different functions pyramids had in ancient Egyptian society. The pyramid has multiple sides after all. While pyramids had great influence in the religion of ancient Egypt, they most certainly had other uses in politics, economics, and society. As we discussed previously, pyramids had great political significance in bringing order to a fractured nation. Even if religious texts were reserved for people such as priests, nobles, and pharaohs, they still carried the important themes relating to unification within the kingdom. This is especially important since Egypt was a kingdom initially separated into upper and lower kingdoms. Pyramids thus allowed these ideas to be carried through multiple generations, becoming a component of Egyptian centralization through the use of identification with diverse ritual images. Furthermore, pyramids had an important economical function regarding the employment of citizens as discussed in Mendelssohn's article. Contrary to popular belief, Egyptian pyramids were not constructed with the use of slaves, but instead mostly through the mass employment of paid and willing workers. Now, I know what you're thinking. Why waste so many resources on a seemingly pointless and enormous project? Well, the entire process was actually beneficial to ancient Egypt because it prevented unemployment and coincided with the crop cycle of Egypt. Because of the nature of the annual Nile floods, during Akhet, or the inundation season following the harvest and before the growing of the new crops, many farmers would be left unemployed for several months. Building pyramids provided temporary work for these farmers, which consists of the majority of Egypt's population, 
and thus an economical source. In fact, for a considerable period of Egypt, this interchanging between occupations became a core of the Egyptian economy to the point where it became dependent on the activity of pyramid building, which is why pyramids would often be constructed while the pharaoh would be alive, or also why multiple pyramids were built during a pharaoh's life. For more information on how the Nile flood affected Egyptian society, you can check out Season 2, Episode 2, Journey Down the Nile. Not only that, but pyramids also contributed to various social and religious organizations. Archaeological records show that in some instances, there existed certain pyramid towns in between pyramid complexes, which are inhabited by cult members and nobles. In particular, written documents such as daily and excavations of walls around the vicinity of the Nefer-Karis pyramid strongly suggest the existence of settlements near the pyramid. While the cult was an exclusive group intended for ritual service following the construction of the complex, pyramid towns nevertheless suggest that pyramids encourage social organization in the form of cult hegemony. So there you have it. Even if they were initially meant to serve as monumental tombs, pyramids were actually central to many elements of ancient Egypt, defining aspects of its social, economical, and religious organizations. It's no wonder then that pyramids have become the symbol of ancient Egypt, not only for their monumental value, but given its impact on ancient Egyptian culture as a whole. Still, the value of the pyramids lies beyond the Egypt, giving its inspirations to other civilizations such as ancient Greek, Arabic, and modern European societies, which would inevitably change what it was meant to represent. Pyramids have been a representative icon of Egypt as far back as the early classical era. The earliest written source that accounts the pyramids dates all the way back to about 430 BCE from Book 2 in Herodotus' The History of Herodotus. In it, Herodotus accounts the ongoing construction of the Great Pyramid of Giza at the time, claiming that the entire build took 20 years of labor by about 100,000 people, with the construction of the causeway taking 10 years. While controversial for his accounts of being in Egypt, the general accuracy of the description of the pyramids does suggest that Herodotus at least took accounts from other Greek travelers, and the Greeks had had, though unwritten, knowledge of pyramids far before the source was written. Greek sources further suggest that the monumental structures such as pyramids, was one factor that encouraged travel to Egypt by many well-known Greek scholars such as Solon, Thales, and Plutarch, similar to their value in tourism today. Given their place in the Middle East, pyramids also became inspirations for legends in Arabic culture. Take the example of Aphodus article, which introduces three Arabic legends that have their own claims to who built the pyramids, Hermes, Surid, and Shaddad ibn Ad. In the tales, Hermes builds the pyramids in order to store the knowledge he gains from God, while Surid and Shaddad ibn Ad build the pyramids in preparation for a catastrophe. In particular, these three legends have clear biblical connections with Hermes corresponding to Moses' acceptance of the Testaments, and Surid and Shaddad ibn Ad corresponding to Noah's building of the Ark in preparation for the Flood. These legends are instances of the harmonization of the beliefs in the Coptic tradition, with tales from the Jewish Bible becoming the basis for Egyptian culture, as well as the acceptance of the religious value of the pyramid by the Arabic societies. Another instance of the development of the Coptic tradition in Egypt can be seen from Masadi's Meadows of Gold and Mines of Gems, written sometime before his death in 956 CE. Masadi provides a Coptic account that Surit built the pyramids to store elements of knowledge, as in the Hermes tales, while the priests explain that the Coptic language, in which the Coptic tradition is built, originated from the syncretism of ancient Egyptian inscriptions and pyramids with the Greek alphabet. Thus, 
Arabic accounts provide a strong case that Coptic traditions originated from the interaction of foreign culture with the pyramid texts. While pyramids are certainly influenced under the rule of Greco-Roman and Arabic empires, they underwent another large wave of change following the age of European colonialism. One of the famous stories, though the accuracy of its details is up for debate, is that Napoleon Bonaparte entered the Great Pyramid of Giza. One account, written when Napoleon was still alive, gives a descriptive quote on his exploration of the pyramid, providing insight into the majestic value ascribed by Europeans to the Great Pyramid, much like in the Old Kingdom. He afterwards penetrated into the interior, where he found a passage 100 feet long and 3 feet broad, which conducted him by a rapid descent towards the apartments that served as a tomb for Pharaoh who erected this monument. A second passage, much injured and leading towards the summit of the pyramid, carried him successively over two platforms and thence to a vaulted gallery in one of the walls of which the place of a mummy was seen, which is believed to have been the spouse of one of the pharaohs. Along with the new fun exploration and settlement into Egypt, modern history introduced the period of enlightenment in which European scholars became fascinated in the study of the values held by the pyramid. Primarily, this quote-unquote pyramidology founded by Western scholars, while rediscovering the mathematical and astronomical factors included in the construction of the pyramids, also contained erroneous assumptions such as the theory that pyramids were built with slave labor. These so-called scientific elements of the pyramids were thus also manipulated for other purposes, one of which was used to support nationalism. John Taylor, a British scholar that continued research from other pyramidologists like Edmond Francois Yomard and even Sir Isaac Newton, associated the British inch with the Egyptian standard of measurement that was incorporated in the construction of the pyramids. Taylor's discovery of this perfect unit allowed him to be acclaimed by many renowned scholars such as the astronomer Piazzi Smith and the mathematician Sir John Herschel. The association of the British inch with the pyramids allowed the measurement to be regarded as a divine figure, revealing the extent to which the pyramids were heralded as a symbol of mysticism by European scholars, as well as the ways in which pyramidology was used to build a divine image of the expanding European empires. When learning about ancient Egypt, it's important for us to take into account how we've been influenced by these assumptions, which are more often based on coincidence than archaeological evidence. Such theories undermine the technology of ancient Egypt, denying the possibility of carrying such knowledge, and often lead to conclusions that radically differ from what is found from ancient records. One such theory even goes as far as to suggest that Egyptian pyramids were built by aliens. Clearly, we need to take on how our views of the ancient world and the colonialist views of Egyptian civilizations shape our beliefs. Take it away, Matei. So I guess I'll introduce myself. My name yeah. is Matei Tikindalian. Uh, I'm a first-year archaeology student here um, in the Coatsen Institute, but I study Egyptology. Um, I've dug in Egypt uh, a few times uh, in a tomb and uh, in a temple site. Uh, I'd, I've dug in the American Southwest and uh, Roman sites in Romania as well. Um, and yeah. So parents have also been assigned a lot of religious value. So were pyramids ever used for religious reasons outside of their original construction, like how the famous Hagia Sophia was remodeled to fit the Islamic empire that conquered it? That's a good question. And um, are, we, are, we, are we just talking here about the Egyptian pyramids or are we talking about pyramids in general? Um, I'm talking most about how Egyptian pyramids might have been like religiously appropriated by, culturally appropriated by a different civilization. Uh, yeah, 
so they definitely have religious connotations um, when it comes to ancient Egypt. Um, and those, for the most part, remain the same, uh, but it changed slightly. Um, for example, after the completion of the, the, the fourth dynasty pyramids, the big ones at Giza, uh, people continued to build pyramids, uh, but they also built smaller ones and, and temples to the sun that, were, that had a component that was a pyramid. Um, I guess uh, you can also look at later on um, in, in private tombs. So uh, elites in ancient Egypt could also build like a smaller little pyramid over, over the entrance of their tomb, which again has a religious connotation. But in terms of them being um, appropriated for other religious purposes, um, I, I mean, I can speak to the Islamic history in Egypt because I'm not an expert in that. Uh, so I'm gonna stay away from that for, for a little bit. But I mean, look at nowadays, there are, there are um, different um, um, spiritual, I guess, spiritual traditions that uh, are more modern, like Kemeticism, for example. Um, that have a close connection to ancient Egypt. Um, Kemet being the ancient Egyptian name for the land of Egypt. Um, so there's this whole Egyptomania that started up in the mid 1800s, uh, you know, with the Napoleon's invasion of, of Egypt, um, where it spread throughout Europe, especially. Um, and the pyramid building in itself, I mean, got incorporated a lot of uh, Christian, I don't want to say Christian traditions, but uh, in Christian cemeteries, you see pyramids as a symbol of eternity, of enduring, of, of, of life. Um, so it's, it's, it's something that has been, because it's a right for so long, because it's so imposing, it has been incorporated in, in, in many different types of, um, of outlooks. But um, yeah, I guess then it depends what you mean for about what you mean by religion because they they all have some kind of symbolic meaning to it that you could interpret as a religion kemeticism people that practice that believe it's i mean they could describe it as a form of religion yeah um so in that case in what ways could egyptian pyramids have been affected by its portrayal in western media or like in cultural representations in general that might have altered its meaning um, yeah, I mean, I think when people think of Egypt, one of the first things that they think about is the pyramids, uh, that and maybe mummies, right? Um, but as we have seen from the 2016 presidential election, I think that was uh, one of the things that was brought up um, by um, a uh, uh presidential candidate, uh, I can't remember his name now, uh, Carson? Yeah, Ben Carson? Yes, yes, Ben Carson that, that um, suggests that the pyramids uh, had a different function, that they, they had, if you remember, that he said that they're more like granaries. We don't really have any um, evidence to, to show any of that. Um, I mean, there are different chambers inside of it, and um, a typical thing that you would have uh, in an Egyptian funeral, which is what a pyramid is, it's, it's a tomb, it's actually um, 
if you more correctly, it's a kind of a regeneration machine. Some some Egyptologists describe it as a regeneration machine. Um, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going off off tangent here, but yeah, they in terms of of Western culture, I think they they have been associated again, uh, starting in in the uh, mid 1800s with um, this spiritualistic kind of um, Orientalist almost idea of um, people being connected, uh, you know, to the ancestors or um, at least people in that area or people in the past being closer to to nature. Um, but I think one of the most damaging uh, ways that um, Western media specifically has been um, interacting with with pyramids it would be probably the history show ancient aliens um which for for many different reasons um well which which um i'm sure you you probably know one of the claims is that um they were built by aliens um which it's uh, very problematic in my opinion it implies that um, it actually has a long history of, of these kind of claims that started off when the Europeans first started uh, visiting Egypt um, about how the culture there could not be advanced enough, quote. Um, they would say they were not advanced enough to build something like this, so therefore it must be something else. It must be something um, that is, uh, you know, out of this world, because only white people could build beautiful things like Notre Dame or, I don't know, the Eiffel Tower or any cathedrals of Europe. Um, people in this area could not have built it. Um, so shows like that, um, I think, do a great disservice, um, never mind about history and, and talking about history, but to the portrayal of, um, of people from that region, ancient and modern. Well, given its regard for its um, symbol of mysticity, um, what are some other ways that pyramids have become cultural icons outside of Egypt? Um, I brought up the fact that uh, they've started to become incorporated as a symbol of eternity, um, especially in, in Christian burials. And I think you see that a lot um, in, um, in England, especially that's where it first started. I mean, if you see public buildings, for example, I did my master's at the University of Liverpool um, and all buildings there have little, uh, you know, sphinxes and pyramid on top of it, uh, because that was the architectural style, this little Orientalist style uh, that was popular in the early 1900s. Um, and then it got um, it got again incorporated into Christian um, burials, kind of the headstones are in the shape of pyramids, pyramids or obelisks um, to signify this this um, this enduring. I guess, uh, memory in cases of, um, of cemeteries. Um, you have it on the, on the dollar bill, right? Um, as a symbol of, um, well, actually, I'm not exactly 100% sure what it is, but um, I think it has to do uh, with, with the Masons, with the Freemasons. So these secret societies, again, incorporated these ancient um, symbols to perhaps um, give themselves um, 
a a a more credible heritage of them being ancient um you know societies that had knowledge passed down from thousands of years ago um that's some of the ways that i can think about right now all right could you tell us other instances of pyramid building outside of egypt that people may not have heard about yeah i mean um the amazing structures um and and i guess pyramid or mounds how however you want to call it here in america at uh cahokia next to san louis for example um i mean i think the base of that is 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 way bigger than the great pyramid the base of it not in terms of the height but the base of it um and in terms of of manpower and work that went into it it was probably equivalent um i mean again as i said these are the most stable um structures to build um so there are for example even in um in the south pacific um well actually no um yeah in in the south pacific there are, there are some evidence of 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 pyramid building that means stones being kind of stacked they're, they're not as big as 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 the ones in egypt or in mesoamerica um but again if if we're talking about pyramids it depends how you would define a pyramid if you're talking about the shape then you have many instances um throughout history where you can see that yeah that's all the questions i've got um do you have anything else you might want to say to whoever is listening to the podcast um in terms of of i guess of of pyramid building um there is a huge history spanning um you know almost 2000 years within egypt itself um of pyramid building and that continues it's not only in egypt actually the country with the most pyramids is, is sudan that's they're smaller than the ones in egypt but the most surviving pyramids will be in sudan um and they have been incorporated from an early on tradition in in egyptian history as as a symbol of of power and of regeneration um that in order to really understand even within these periods in egyptian history what they mean you have to look at them um uh, in specific contexts um so um you know perhaps a pyramid um that was built uh let's say in 400 AD in uh in Nubia was did not have exactly the same meaning uh to that person that built it as the great pyramids did uh, whether we're talking about religious or um really maybe uh, I mean they're both they were both in a way tombs but yeah okay I think that pretty much wraps up the interview then. Um okay. thank you for your time Mate. Yeah, no problem. As long as Egypt has been a subject of foreign written history, it has also clearly been a subject of cultural appropriation. In this section, we saw how identification, assumption, and manipulation of elements of the pyramid each altered the image of ancient Egypt as it became represented in other cultures. Certain aspects would be emphasized while others would be underrepresented. As we transition into the modern world, pyramids certainly change in what they represent in society, and we can attribute that change to these cases of appropriation.
pyramid in modern society continues to be taken as a symbol of mysticism, often in an exaggerated form from that of the early classical period. In one such case, Semir Osmanagic, a Bosnian museum director, claims certain natural hills to be the largest man-made pyramids in history. The media attention taken on by the site reveals the existing fervor over the mystical identity of the pyramid, as well as the extent of the harm that pseudo-archaeology can do to official archaeology. A more well-known instance of false information contributing to the legacy of the pyramids is in the case of the Illuminati, which is associated with conspiracy theories of secret societies such as Freemasons. You can even see the famous icon of the Eye of Providence contained within the pyramid on the back of your own $1 bill. Pyramids today have also been associated with power or authority, and continue to be built for reasons similar to that of its original construction. In modern contexts, the pyramidal design is also linked with commercialization, given the iconic value of the symbol. Many famous examples of modern pyramids can be found in major cities in the U.S., such as Luxor, Las Vegas, which serves as both a hotel and casino, and the Memphis Pyramid, which was originally an arena but now serves as a location for Bass Pro Shops. Though smaller in size, the Art Museum of Louvre in Paris is another well-known example that incorporates the pyramid into design. From simple burial mounds to the Great Pyramid of Giza, pyramids throughout history may have varied in design, but all of them have nonetheless spawned continuous discussions about their religious and social importances, as well as their influences to other societies in Europe and the Middle East. Even today, pyramids continue to make their legacy in the modern world as an embodiment of cultism and power. So to answer the question, how have we changed our interpretation of the pyramid throughout the four and a half plus million that they've existed in? Well, we've seen how in both the ancient and the modern worlds, pyramids have acted as icons of power. In ancient Egypt, pyramids were built in order to guide those in power to the afterlife, often ascribing them to divinity. Pyramids were also important to ancient Egyptian society as a whole, carrying many economic and social functions. However, we've also seen how over time, Representations of the pyramids in other cultures have caused the cultural importance of the pyramids to be diluted and rather emphasized more on its religious functions to the point of exaggeration. Modern representations rather use the pyramidal structure as a point of attraction and the source of commercialization due to its distorted representation from Egypt's history of cultural appropriation. Still, another way to look at this is that the pyramid has still managed to survive as an icon of authority and fascination over ancient history that humans have tried to emulate ever since, no matter how much it may have changed as a symbol. The original builders of the pyramid may be gone now, but the pyramid still exists. This episode concludes Season 2 of Now is Then. If you're interested in more content like this, make sure to check out other episodes of Now is Then, and you can read in greater detail from this episode's bibliography. Shout out to Deidre Whitmore of Digital Archaeology Lab, Cotson Institute, Simon Lee, Catherine Capsadellis, Jet Jacobs of Library Special Collections, and Martin Brennan of Scholarly Communication Education for making this podcast possible, and special thanks to Matthew Tichindelian for this episode's interview. Otherwise, thank you for listening, and stay safe. <laughs>